PKN 262. We were just talking pre-show about topic ideas. Are you watching Gemstone? Yeah, like the Righteous Gemstones or something like that. It's uh, it's last week, Andy and, uh, and well, I guess everybody. I think even, uh, who's our other guest last week? I feel like a dick now. Shit. Blame truth. <laughs> Blame truth. Yeah. Yes. They all blend together sometimes. But, uh, I think one of those two was saying you got to watch this HBO show and it's got John Goodman in it, which for me is an immediate plus 10 because mm-hmm. I love that guy. It, it would be plus 20, but it's skinny John Goodman. And <laughs> I don't like that as much. I like my John Goodman fat, girthy, unhealthy, heart attack around the corner. And so it's this show where basically he and his sons one of which is the guy from that baseball, that raunchy baseball show, uh, Danny oh. McBride. Yeah, uh, Danny McBride. Uh-huh. And then the other one, the other son is Adam Devine or Adam Devine, the guy from Workaholics. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you've ever watched Workaholics. I have. That's silly. They're show. not actually workaholics. They're not. No, <laughs> no. It's, it's an it's an irony type. <laughs> uh, and it's really good so far. Basically, they they are evangelical kind of, you know, uh, Popov kind of guys where it's just, oh, you know, I do you feel the Lord? Do you feel this and that? That kind of stuff. And already in the first episode, it's kind of just showing like the debaucherous side to their lives and the things they do that they don't totally put out front. So they're knowingly and, scam artists. Uh, they, they haven't revealed that yet. Okay. It's, if I had to guess, like just hazard a guess after one episode, all three of them do believe it, but one of them is kind of faking and then john goodman and adam devine are totally they totally believe it I uh, have, or at least adam devine totally believes it you can't tell with john goodman yet he hasn't gotten enough uh you can tell fine. he's a ruthless businessman but you know you, you can't tell yet because that leads you know, like so when people believe in god that much and have confidence like that i wonder what goes on in their internal monologue right I think it's mm-hmm. safe to assume that they've never seen any undeniable evidence of God. Instead, they see like, I don't know, the suns shine through some tree leaves with like, I think they're called Jesus rays. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like, it didn't rain on a wedding day, therefore God exists, or something like that. And I'm like, come on, in your heart of hearts, you're skeptical on this, right? Right? Because you- It comes down like, it's just... Everybody has their own form of confirmation bias. Like, and for mm-hmm. them, it, it's shown in religion. Like, for some people, it's news or politics or sports or whatever. Like, if I'm a huge, like, I'm a, I'm a big blues fan. Right. When I see, uh, like, even a few years ago, when uh, Patrick Kane, one of the uh, all star, one of the best American players of all time for the Chicago Blackhawks, he got accused of rape and it was not credible at all. It, they ended up backing off because it was just a made-up lie, and like it, it did suck for him. That's a tough thing, like we know from our guest last week that that kind of thing can happen. Mm. So that was a much bigger, bigger stage. But even at the time when that came out, because I just don't like that team, <laughs> I was like figures. You know? <laughs> and then of course it comes out later that it's it's made up, and I'm like, well, yeah, but I probably knew that the whole time, you know, mostly. But for these guys, it's religion. I've done like, it when they genuinely like see a. a a toast that looks like the Virgin Mary mm-hmm. in, you know, Mexico or whatever. They're not making it up, I don't think. They're like, 
this is a real sign. That the Lord, my- this is the little thing that the Lord gave me. Of course, why would he do that when he could make a rainbow or something or make a comet with a nice little engraved note come down is what we would think. But to them, that's more than enough. Bias I, has been confirmed. If I took every naturally occurring W as proof that Woody was God, <laughs> I'd see them all over the place. They show up in clouds, scratch marks yeah. in the ground, various footprints, probably. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, it's like animal footprints, of course. Um, like, but in my heart of hearts, I would know that I'm not actually God because there's never been any evidence of such. But mm-hmm. so I, I, I can't fathom buying that but you laid it out pretty well because i've had biases too you know like uh, i I think when i see politicians get accused of bad stuff it's hard for me to jump straight to no everybody with a public presence gets some rape allegations now and then don't they people do it just for the the fame and the fortune and i'm like really i don't know why is this guy's 29 accusations so not credible and this guy's 39? I don't remember how Bill Cosby had. So obviously credible. To me, I can't tell mm-hmm. the difference. Um, but, you know, it, sometimes there's a, I want to believe. I don't know. And if you're talking about Trump That's in particular, I mean, he, he has a lot of quotes where you could suspect that he doesn't have respect for women. Oh yeah, yeah. Can and see you could you could. That's a perfect mm-hmm. example. Maybe I'm you can doing look it. at one. You can you can uh, you can look at something that he's said and. Depending on what side you're on, you can go. He he has no respect for women. He has no respect for women at all. That's clearly what is drawn from this. And then other people will look at it and go, "Well, actually, he's been a public figure whose kind of character and who he is has been this bloviating, off the cuff, loud mouth, arrogant fuck for like 35 years." And so two people can look at the same exact thing, and depending on their prior, prior previous or existing biases, totally pull different things out of it. And so like. And then that's hard for everybody to do. It's really hard to like, yes. everybody wants to have a, a off the cuff, boom, that's my take, that's my decision, and I'm sticking with it. And then you kind of set that anchor point. And then any other evidence you get that countermands that, you just kind of put up a shield and go, nope, 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 decision made, decision made. And if you do your best to be unbiased, that shield is permeable, but it's mm-hmm. still there, right? You know, some some uh, evidence is, has a hard time getting through and some is welcomed in. You said something that I, I really liked years ago. I was like, Taylor, you work in advertising, more or less. And does that make you not susceptible to advertising, being privy to all the tricks? And you're like, no, no, nobody is. Every, everyone gets bombarded with messages again and again and again until they become a kind of truth. Everyone gets awareness and like you can't be immune mm-hmm. to advertising if you see ads. Oh, of course. Because so much of it is sub- like a perfect example was like, I think the episode before Kyle got booted where taken to taken to prison, you know, not booted. <laughs> <laughs> Don't <laughs> tell him, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was, I think during that episode, we were talking, something came up with marketing and advertising came up, and I think Kyle said, like, oh, I think I'm immune to that. I'm immune to advertising. Yeah. And not an hour later, he was talking about how cool and rustic and just old-timey a Jack Daniels bottle looked and how he purchased one because of the way it looked and the way it's been presented in movies and the and the musing, semi-alcoholic, but hard-working and diligent detective in that show <laughs> takes a hard slug from a distinct Did shape bottle and slams it down. No, I'm saying oh, that okay, now you're adding to is it, that yeah. little things like that, that was enough for Kyle to draw something out of it. Like, nobody is... 
the people that I think are most susceptible to advertising are the people who think they're above it because they don't have their guards up. They take things as they go and they internalize it without realizing. Meanwhile, if someone is is on guard in the same way that a paranoid person who's homesteading in a weird way actually is less susceptible to an apocalypse because they have a guard up. You know, if you think that you're Mr. High Intelligence, High IQ, these these ads don't get to me. You're the one that's getting you're getting taken. I think I'm mostly immune to advertising, but for a very different reason. I have YouTube Red. I watch Netflix. <laughs> I have AdBlock. I like it, it's just hard to reach me. Advertising campaigns coming. I, I, this is a while ago. I'm, gonna, I'm at the dentist or something, and one guy says it's Hump Day, and all the other receptionists start laughing, and I don't get it. And I'm like, <laughs> like they're like it's the camel. You don't know like whatever Debbie from some. I don't know what the commercial was on Hump yeah. <laughs> made Hump Day a big thing, and I was like, nah. I, I don't see as many ads as. I did back when I had like television and I didn't have mm -hmm. uh, YouTube premium, YouTube red, whatever it's called that doesn't, it removes ads. Now, because so many companies are realizing that as an issue, they're just baking in advertising into shows more often. Like iRobot is an older movie from the early 2000s with Will Smith, mm -hmm. but it's a good example of kind of an early adopter to that. Go back and watch that movie if you haven't in a while. Notice how many ad placements, how many product placements, how many scenes start with an emblem of a car or with a certain drink or with a certain uh, Coca-Cola or a Pepsi, just um... whatever it is. It's insane. And so that, I saw a clip on Twitter today. I've never watched 13 Reasons Why. It's that that ridiculous show about a teenager who kills themselves. I did I watch that. I actually liked it, yeah. but carry on. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm making fun of it without uh -huh. ever watching it. Par for the course for me. But I saw a clip on Twitter today of that show, and someone was like, "This is a straight up. Uh, this is a straight up. Um, what the fuck is the uh, the website builder that sponsors us? Squarespace. Squarespace. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> it was a straight up Squarespace commercial as they're like sitting there trying to like make a plan to make a website. And the guy's like showing the interface and how easy it is to use to the other characters. And it's like, are you shitting me? Is this what entertainment's going to be now? Because I probably fell for it. I had no idea that they were doing that. To this me. was in season three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so if you haven't seen that one. Oh, there's it. I didn't know there were three seasons. Of I didn't either until I saw it. Oh, um, <laughs> But the uh, another Will Smith movie, help me. It's a zombie movie. Where's Kyle when you need him? And but yeah. they're not really zombies. But they they can't go in the light. They're like zombie vampires. Oh, I am Legend. Yeah. Yes, I am Legend. My goodness, like opening shots of Will Smith and a Ford Mustang, as if that's an apocalypse to car. You know, yeah. <laughs> just like zooming around. Uh, Fuck, what is, I can't say words. What is it when you tail ground, grinding around a corner, sliding around? Drifting. A, that's yeah. what I'm going for. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. He's like drifting around corners in a Mustang, and later he hops into an Explorer. And like you said, like close-ups of a Ford emblem, and they zoom out to reveal the rest of the car as it does cool stuff driving around. And yep. this is an apocalypse situation, right? And not just like... It's an extreme apocalypse with zombie vampires wrecking everything and having murdered almost everybody. But damn, the car looked good. I guess his hobbies are survival and detailing cars. Yeah. Because <laughs> Thank God I found this clean, current year Ford Explorer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is the L LE, the limited edition one. Wow. Man, now I can have air-conditioned ass cheeks as I mow down vampires and stuff. I... And it, it's ridiculous. It. It, like I, I cause like uh, th that's real things. Like when you, maybe some people don't know this when you watch a show, 
or a, t- a TV show, movie, anything, and you see, like, let's say they're on a bathroom counter, and he has Rogaine there, and he has Bayer brand aspirin, and he has Crest white toothpaste. Those companies all paid for that. They didn't just go, eh, throw a generic toothpaste, throw a generic thing in there, throw this. Like, there are companies what? that come that will reach out to consumer products companies and go, hey, there's a show that's going to be on this, and we have an opening for a couple uh, bathroom scenes. We have an opening for a couple closet scenes. Would you like your product to you be involved they, in that? Because they oh, yeah, make I, that happen? Because, I mean, the, the absolutely easy, they do. if I needed to stock a pantry or a medicine cabinet, the easiest thing to do would be to run to CVS. So it, they have to go out of their way to get, like, I don't know, a bottle that kind of looks like bear but isn't to, to stock with that. You really think that they always go the hard way if they're not getting paid? Oh, no, it, it's, not, uh, it's not hard. No. Like, because, like, a company as big as, like, J&J or P&G, this is, this is a pittance to them. This is, like, something that they would get an email in their marketing department and go, hey, do you want, uh, do you want fucking uh, No More Tears shampoo and a scene in this zombie movie as the woman is uh, washing her hair and you can see it in the background on the little uh, shower caddy uh, for, you know, three, three scenes or something? And they'll go, yeah, whatever, sure. Yeah, yeah. we'll pay uh, fi- uh, 12 grand uh, for that. Okay, sure, yeah, we'll do that. Like, And so that's why, uh, part of the reason is, you know, believability. You don't want these over-the-top, different, weird brands. And so they're going to reach out to those kind of mainstay J&J, P&G uh, large brands. But like, yeah, there are no mistakes when it comes to that. When you see a, a Coca-Cola or a, a Pepsi or even smaller things, like, they pay for that. Huh. And so I, I, and that's something I had no idea until I kind of got into this industry and, and, you know, on behalf of some clients would get inquiries about that. And I was like, holy shit, <laughs> they, the, the, everything I see on TV is carefully constructed from the bottom up. All those scenes when it comes to products, at least, because, you know, it, they're not going to turn down opportunities to make money. Now that I think about it, the, I am, um, I did this dancing competition years ago. I, it was cool. Uh, all the things we used were from a prop department. Like I've read a newspaper in one of the dances all the headlines there were like real articles that you could read they weren't interesting and they weren't um though they didn't do two things they didn't date you although i suppose the newspaper at all is dating now but mm-hmm. like it, it didn't mention who the current president was or anything that would help you associate a date and it also didn't say anything that could be remotely controversial in the paper you know so is yep. it even today's current events i don't know you could write like Trump does this at the G7 or, you know, Trump misses climate change meeting, right? Half the people mm-hmm. reading that will probably be offended at that title. Mm-hmm. And, and they'd figure out the time. Yeah. The time too. Yeah. But so it, it, the time was one motivation, fa- motivating factor. And the other thing was that they didn't want any, anything in there about like a death or a politician that would make anyone not like it for some reason. So yeah. It was all wet. And so like for, for the bigger companies, it's sometimes even different. We're like, let's say Miramax says we've got six movies coming out that we have a bundle of, and each one of them has an opportunity for you to promote something in a closet space or whatever. So we're coming to you, fucking old Tommy Navy. Hilfiger or whatever, or Old Navy or whatever, like, uh, 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 Thursday Boots or uh, some other company. So it's really interesting that so much extra thought goes into it, and it's it's all just to make money. And and so like even when you skip all of the ads, you're still getting advertised it. You mentioned John Goodman earlier. You let you prefer fat John Goodman. So always. to me, he lost weight and got old together. And I always wonder, like people say, oh, the presidency ages you. I don't doubt that that might be true. I think it's a stressful job. 
But I also think that a lot of times four or eight years have passed and that that guy was going to age in either case. You know, some mm -hmm. are outrageous like Lincoln. But Obama, for example, yeah, he might have looked like that eight years later anyway. He doesn't look so horrible. Um, I wonder, John Goodman, he lost weight and got old. What does fat John Goodman look like? Did he age a lot better, this like alternate universe John Goodman that didn't lose the weight? Does he not? His face, I mean, his heart and his arteries and all that doesn't age better, but his face does definitely. Yeah. Like he, he lost weight at the worst time. Like if a 40 year old, or let's say a, a yeah, even a, Ford, yeah, a 35 yeah. or 40, let's say they're 100 pounds overweight and they lose it. Sure, they don't have the skin elasticity of a 22, 25-year-old or whatever, but they, they can still get it back together. They can get it going. When you're 67 or whatever, like John Goodman, and you lose 120 pounds, all it does is make all of your wrinkles 100 times deeper and make your throat pouch look even more impressive than Mitch McConnell's. <laughs> well, those are bold words, Taylor. <laughs> it is, but Mr. Goodman is really stepping up to the plate here with that throat pouch. So, yeah, if you're going to lose weight as a big fat adult, do it before you get too old. It's pretty well, you young, got some collagen. Too. I'm basing this on um, how women's bellies bounce back. Like, you mm -hmm. see these girls in their, I'll say, 25. Dude, you can't tell they were pregnant a few months later. They have a baby at 35. You know, they their bellies are never stock again. Yeah, never, they're never stock. They're always <laughs> aftermarket or something. <laughs> I mean, that's when women go rotten. Times. <laughs> they just don't bounce back the same way when they're 35 and they had the kid. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so Have we, you seen... Uh, oh, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, this is not that interesting. I was talking about the meme, the, the Popeye's chicken sandwich yes. versus the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. And people, you are high as a goddamn kite. If you think Popeyes can hold a candle to the Chick-fil-A sandwich, the Chick-fil-A sandwich is just better. Is this your I've inner a, white girl talking? Like it? Oh, this is my inner consumer. <laughs> so, you know, first of all, you go to you go to Chick-fil-A. They're just stoked to have you there. Oh my God! Thanks for coming to Chick-fil-A and ordering our sandwiches. We love you. That's <laughs> how they are at Chick-fil-A. At Popeyes, you get a surly person with dirty fingernails, you know, who's got a bunch of tattoos, and you don't want to. Or at least the Popeyes near me is what it's like. St. <laughs> Louis and Popeyes. I got yeah, St. Louis Popeyes, and I got a Popeyes chicken sandwich to test it out, like uh, soon after they released, and. You know when like you get like a chicken sandwich sometimes and there's just surrounding areas where you'll bite into it thinking it's chicken but it's just an enormous hunk of breading. Oh. And then you're eating bread on bread on bread <laughs> and it's just it's just not good. The chicken was dry. There were too many of those breading bites. Mm. I've eaten a thousand, well, realistically probably a hundred Chick-fil-A sandwiches in my life. I've never had a dry bite. I've never had that. Mm. It's always juicy. It's always good. They do the the Kyle approach or whatever where he says they soak them in pickle juice or a pickle brine or whatever to keep the, the moisture in there and that's okay. peanut oil fried. It's just a higher quality sandwich. And now these these two companies are memeing off each other, which Chick-fil-A not stoked about having their name associated with Popeyes. Popeyes is doing line dances in their corporate <laughs> office like, yes, we're in the same sentence with Chick-fil-A. Really? They're going to associate our quality with Chick-fil-A. Oh, because Chick-fil-A wins like America's favorite fast food restaurant like every year because it's just, you know, it's got good service and it's a, a 
you know, it's, it is a fucking fast food chicken sandwich. If you go to a real restaurant and order a chicken sandwich, it's probably going to be better than Chick-fil-A or Popeye's or any of those. I, but as far as fast food goes, Chick-fil-A is the best. I hardly ever go to Chick-fil-A. Uh, there's a couple issues. One, I usually eat fast food when I have a long drive. That would be, you know, if, mm -hmm. if I'm going like to Florida or Georgia or something. And that happens on Sunday in an inordinate amount of times. I almost always come yeah. home on a Sunday. So it's like, even though it's only one in seven days, it seems to be half of my driving days. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. They're just not on my radar somehow. Like I, I, I see Wendy's as the one to go to and I'm not reprogrammed yet. Yeah. But uh, I have been to both and I thought of Popeye's more as the like more seasoning, a little like black grandmother's food and Chick-fil-A <laughs> as fast food. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think of both of them as fast food. Like You're when I go right. to Popeye's, like if I go to Popeyes, I want chicken. Like I want a chicken, a chicken leg, chicken right. wing, right. a chicken right. breast, or something. If I go to Chick Fil A, just give me the chicken sandwich. The the one thing that Chick Fil A does suck ass at their fries are terrible. They are always floppy. Those waffle fries, uh -huh. I, one in a hundred are crispy <laughs> and nice. Like if they need to get like a tear a page out of McDonald's book on French fries. Stop trying to be Mr. Fancy Pantsy over there with your waffle fries and just make good fries. I, I never even order their meals. I only get their entrees because I, I'll eat two of their fries and go, didn't you learn last time that these soggy pieces of shit aren't worth eating? It's just empty calories and you're not even the, the, the dopamine hit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Look, if I'm going to sin, it better be worth it. You know, I better get something in return, not just soggy bullshit French fries. Yeah, <laughs> I've done that where I eat like <laughs> half of a Chick-fil-A container of fries and it's like, I'm 300 calories into this and I'm not even happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. What a waste. <sighs> But yeah, I, I, maybe someone can convince me otherwise. I don't think I'll be convinced otherwise unless I go back to Popeye's and decide to get in the chicken sandwich and it's way better. But I'm never going to do that because I go to Popeye's when I want fried chicken. And even then, if I want fried chicken and I'm in the area, I'm going to go to Church's Chicken over Popeye's because Church's is just way fucking better than Popeye's. I don't know if you have Church's where you are. I've heard of it. I don't think I've been to it, though. Yeah. If you enter a Church's Chicken and you feel in danger, you're in a good one. Oh, that's how I feel about yeah. Waffle House. <laughs> yeah, that's, there, was, there was one like in the city, and I'd like go in there and just be like, head on a swivel. Head on a swivel. <laughs> I'm in there. You get the chicken. Can I have that nagging. seat with my back to the wall and my face to the door? <laughs> yeah, I'm like Liam Neeson and Taken. And I'm just in the back corner making sure I can scope out the whole thing. But yeah, that was my take on the on the fast food, little fast food battle. Not that, it, not that it's even that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so... Boogie, Boogie2899. I actually like the guy. I, I, he's been on the show yeah. a bunch of times, and uh, I don't know. I, I want good things for him. He seems all right. But there's news surrounding him. I don't know what's up. It's just sort of a slow burn of YouTube hot water. Now, I'll, I'll lay it out through my lens of bias. But um, so he was on YouTube for a long time. People loved him. Right. And they called mm -hmm. him the Mr. Rogers of YouTube. And he would just say good things and present the best version of himself. And I, I think I could maybe relate to this to some extent. And then he went on Twitch. And somehow on Twitch, he was, I don't want to say a real version of himself. I almost want to say the worst version of himself, like the PKA version of me. <laughs> you know, like, a, um, and, and, so he's on Twitch and, and they take his worst clips and present that as we found out who Boogie really is. 
And like I think he went to a bed and humped it and said that's how he treats whores. And um, he dated. It's just funny. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Actually, you know, it, it depends on what kind of figure you built yourself into. If me, you, or Kyle said that, they'd be like, "That's a, that's a tongue-in-cheek joke." They're not doing that. But you're right with Boogie building up the the kind of Mister Rogers appeal mm -hmm. for him to suddenly become that is probably shocking to his fans. Yeah, continue. Sorry. That's it's the shock. It's the turn. People are upset because it's like they pull back the curtain, found a different version of Boogie, and they're very mad at him. And on Reddit, there's this thread that details like every bad thing he's ever done painted in the worst light. Some of them wouldn't even register as not cool unless you put it in the context of a couple of other things he's done or said. And now his edgy joke is, you know, pure evil who Boogie, you know, Boogie exposed. And he's been losing subs. Now, like you lose subs oh. or whatever, but... I want to say, I'll look up the numbers. I'll look up Social Blade on him. Yeah. Uh, in I'm going to do it really quick. He's lost 41,000 in the last month. Wow. Right? That's a big deal. But And it's been a couple of months, too. Like Even if it was just um, last month was the only bad one, then that would be, I don't know, like somehow a different situation. But he lost... Um, sorry, I'm looking in the wrong spot. He hasn't yeah. consistently gained subs in May. He lost since like April 18th. In May, he lost almost six thousand. In June, he lost almost fifteen thousand. And in July, he lost almost thirty thousand. And now he's on pace for over forty. And that, <laughs> dude, that's a lot. That's a long time. And these are big numbers. So people mm -hmm. are like. I want to say they're leaving mad. You know, when you lose 4,000 subs a day, which is at like the high end of what he's done, then like, I don't know. It's not casually moving on. Like every YouTuber has yeah. subs casually moving on and then maybe new subs casually back. It's like an aggressive unsubscribing campaign where people are like actively, fuck you. Like I, It makes Boogie kind of interesting to me. Like I want to know what he's doing. I feel like he continues to feed the flame of the negative people. Like he hasn't really cleaned up and started being good. And I feel like it's a semi-conscious self-destruction that he's got going on. And that's the, that's the core of what I'm finding fascinating. Boogie is going on long rants that he knows hurt him and doing it anyway. Boogie's doing like... On Twitch. On Twitch. Yeah, on Twitch. But then it gets okay. clipped and it gets uploaded to like live stream fails or, you know, it becomes another little nugget for this copy paste about him that details like the 50 things he's ever done wrong. That's, you know, they, he, um, I guess he was a sugar daddy to this woman who you could call a prostitute-ish. I don't know, like. I think that was the story he told on PKA, wasn't it? Did he talk about it on PKA? Uh, maybe a different woman, but a I think so. Anyway, she was, I guess you, I don't know if you call him an ex-John or if you call her a, uh, a jilted ex-girlfriend or whatever, but they've taken her side of it and turned it into like the worst possible thing. Like, for example, I think she was a, a cam whore. I bet there's a better word for that, but let's roll with it. No, and, let's be real here. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't like it. So he would be like, no, stay with me. No, skip that. And she's like, hey, I got to go. This is how I earn money. You know, if you're not okay with that, then why are you with me? 
And you know he's not okay with it because he likes her or he's envious. This is at least the the lens I see it through. Mm -hmm. But they make him into this controlling asshole who doesn't want to let her earn a living. And it's like, ah, but her living is kind of sort of cheating on him. I mean, I think that's the emotion that he's going for when he says, why don't you stay with me? And, uh, you know, but they paint it in the, the worst possible way. And anyway, I'm seeing Boogie on the second half of his YouTube bell curve, like so many people have. And I'm wondering, like, how do you feel about this? What's your plan? Are you going to try and make your bell curve or get a second bell curve? It happens. It's unusual, but it happens. Yeah. Um, are you, do you have any other job skills? Do you have enough money? Like, Not I, after the divorce. I wouldn't guess. I thought that. I wasn't going to say it out loud, but it was in my head as well. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, it, putting together the things that he said publicly, he said he was almost a millionaire and then he lost half in the divorce. You can estimate his net worth from there. You know, maybe it's mm-hmm. back up a yeah. touch and he's just crossed 500. Which is uh, still not a retirable amount of money. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I wonder what kind of stresses he's feeling. Are, are these stresses leading him to make more what seem to be to be mistakes? Or is he going to do a rebound on the hated side of this equation? You know, maybe the next boogie is not the internet's Mr. Rogers. It's the next dark side Phil. Uh, maybe. Um, I'm super curious about what's going yeah, in, th- going on uh, inside his head. So are the big things the uh, Cam Whore thing and the um, like the 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 silly humping pillow humping video? The I'm those trying to are figure out what else. I'm looking on his subreddit for whatever the post is. The big thing is. He's not who he said he was. And then everything else in isolation isn't so awful, right? But there's a facet of his personality that is a 4chaner. You know, and he was on 4chan before he was on YouTube. He, he, that, he, that, that's part of his home. And uh, so when they see that little side of him, that like sort of angry, incel, um, misogynistic, whatever like not so mr mm-hmm. rogers love everyone he tells a story and says you know someone broke into my house once and you know what i did i gave him a ride home that guy was having a hard time and i'm so nice that i treat i help out people who attempt to you know do do home invasions against me and that's like wow boogie you're so wonderful and then they find out that that isn't the only version of him and mm-hmm. they feel cheated and they feel like he's put out a PR curated version and then it took their own investigation to be like, wait a second, this isn't the guy that's been presented to me for the last X number of years. So right. that's understandable. Yeah, it's all understandable, but it's uh, it, it, to me, like there's a lot of positive things happening in his life, right? He's lost a bunch of weight. He's got the new teeth. There's a whole new him. Um, mm-hmm. He's single, which I don't think, he, you know, it was his choice, but like... He could be living the best life, and instead, he's living probably the worst life he's had in a long time. Right? He was probably happier being loved at 500 pounds than he is right now. And I just wonder, like, how's he doing? He okay? Why does he keep doing yeah. this? What's happening in your head? Is this a version of suicide that you're doing when you just keep this up? I feel like he's like self- self-destructive behavior. Some people are cutters. You know, some people are scratchers. This is his version of self-harm, I think. When he goes on Twitch, 
and says things that he knows harms him, that he, that he knows are going to come back to get him. But he somehow finds it irresistible, therapeutic, something. And uh, I wonder what's happening in there. It probably feels cathartic to him. Like if his true self is the more offensive, you know, making 4chan jokes and everything, then it's got to be exhausting to try and keep up a facade of, you know, Mr. Rogers-esque behavior. Like, and also like... It, Do people have one is, true self though? Like, no. I, I'm going to paint this on you, forgive me. The version no. of you at work isn't fake. That's just professional tailor. And there's a version mm-hmm. of you around your family who, who might be different. And when you're alone with your girlfriend, who could be a different one? And I would hope the PKA one is only here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now this of, is how I behave all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right? So none of this is fake. It's just people behave, you know, appropriately mm-hmm. for the environment that they're in. And Boogie behaves inappropriately, on, or it behaves in a way on Twitch that he knows hurts him. And I feel like it's, he, he's a cutter, but he does it with a mic and a video camera. It, it's maybe. Like, maybe he's in like a cycle of not feeling like he deserves success in any way, and so he self-sabotages. Or maybe it's just kind of the whole house of cards crumbling down, where it's like he's just fucking tired of being more wholesome than he feels he actually is, and now he's he's kind of throwing that by the wayside. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't watch nearly enough boogie content. And by nearly enough, I mean I don't watch any boogie content. And so I don't know what his what his little quirks and everything are. I do know that it seems like every time I see a tweet from him, which is the only like I follow him on Twitter, so I'll see like every once in a while he'll have a take. Like he seems to be obsessed with trying to appease everyone <laughs> at the same time, and in doing so, not just appeasing no one, but actively pissing people off because there is a level of centrism that you can see in people sometimes where it's like you're being a bad faith centrist right now. You're taking this center position for the sake of doing it so that you have plausible deniability for any criticism that may come from your take. And so and then he I think we talked about him with him on the show. I think I even said something to him last time he was on where I'm like, Boogie, you got to stop the fence sitting. Go, <laughs> go hard one direction or say nothing or or just you know it because then at least you're going to get people's genuine response and go oh okay look he may actually have a belief about this but going hey guys just throw my hat into the ring everybody's bad equally right now and it's like (laughs) maybe sometimes that is the correct i march with lbgqt but don't want marriage rights for them that's an actual stance and it's like I did see that yeah, I saw somebody yeah, uh, tweet that out. Yeah, I'm with you. I find the fence sitting to be a certain kind of lack of courage. And there's some honest fence sitters, right? Like I, I'm Fair. pro-choice, but look, I kind of see the pro-life side, right? Like I don't, I'm not happily pro-choice. I, I just look at. Sometimes I find that's the way to land. Um, I'm in the same boat with you. Yeah. Okay. Um, Trump and his China stuff. Man, I hope he wins the trade war. I hope we win the trade war, right? Uh, I don't know if he's doing it well, but I felt like someone had to try. That, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's a little fence city, I think. But um, what he does, man, every single issue, he tries to find a way to have no one disagree with him. And at some point, it's infuriating. Yeah, that, it uh, comes off as disingenuous. Like, see, mm-hmm. that's a good way to say it. It's not the fence sitting in and of itself. Or the centrism, you know, I'll say centrism because fencing has an inherent like negative connotation, but oh. it's not that inherent like the fence sitting. It's 
the frequency of it, I think, where if every once in a while somebody who you're listening to spit out hot takes goes, honestly, guys, I really fucking hate both sides here. Like, if that's not a consistent thing, they'll go, you know, I kind of hear, I disagree, but I see what you're saying. These people both suck. But if every fucking issue, every single time is right down the middle, can't say this because I don't want to offend these people. I hate the SJWs, but I don't want to offend them. You know, and I don't want to hurt these people over here, so I'm going to say this in a in a you know a mealy mouthed way. It's like over time, it it comes off as actively insulting to your fans because it's saying to them, "I don't respect your intelligence enough that you can differentiate that what I'm saying is my true belief, or it's a you know kind of just an amalgamation of what I'm I think you guys want me to say." He said on our show at one point that he was like Rick from Rick and Morty and he was just a nihilist who didn't care how things worked out and that's why he was so centrist on every issue. And I'm like, the fuck? Like, you're you're Rick? You're a Rick? You're telling me you're a Rick? Like, a a super genius who just sees beyond everything to the point where you you can't care? Are you Dr. Manhattan too? Jesus Christ, who do you think you are? <laughs> a Rick. <laughs> that is funny. It's like I see myself as a Gandalf of sorts. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Above it all entirely and yet more powerful than you could imagine. <laughs> and 900 years old, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So like that that's the real thing. Like he would get a lot better feedback if he would quit the centrist fence sitting. You know, sometimes if that's his honest take, sure. go for it, man. Say what you honestly think, but don't look to your followers and try and garner what you think they want you to say and then reproduce a bastardization of what that is because you're going to get it wrong and they're going to see through it and they're going to call your ass out from both sides and then because you're very sensitive to that you're going to respond and when you respond to that and say i didn't mean it by this i didn't mean it by that all that shows is weakness and the people who know that they got to rise out of you by responding to that are going to respond to the next one and pile on like it's a it's a cycle that you're putting yourself in just stop being political on twitter Showing weakness is an interesting thing. Like sometimes an apology video gives people what they need. Sometimes an apology invites them to double down and triple down and never let it go. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting to see how that land, like Trump, he almost always doubles down. That's his go-to move. That's his instinct. And uh, I want to say it almost always works. There are a few examples through my lens anyway, like the, charlottesville thing both you know good people on both sides then he doubled down i can't quote it but he he didn't back off it enough and uh that kind of burnt him i'm coming up short on examples usually double down you know yeah no mexico sending their rapists and murderers and he's like yeah they are and it's like (laughs) win so yeah a lot of people (laughs) crossing there are criminals and people are like well well well, shit okay because like the reason that you have to do that in a lot of situations and double down is because any sort of apology is going to be seized on as an admission of guilt. Mm-hmm. You can't apologize and go, I didn't mean it this way. I didn't do this and that because the people who wanted you, you know, drawn and quartered already got what they wanted. They got Always. a sorry from you, which means that you admit you're wrong. That's why you're not. And it's not just Trump who does this. A lot of politicians who are more savvy and or people, public speakers, business people like mm-hmm. usually double down. Double down and don't admit fault and whether or not you're wrong, you may be wrong, but don't do it. And so he he makes that mistake continuously. And sometimes it'll be like he'll say his hot centrist take and then I'll see like four minutes later, he'll have like a quasi apology clarification <laughs> above it. It's like, oh man, come on, dude, like DM me before you tweet. And I would, <laughs> and I, would I would have said hard pass on Boogie, both of those. Boogie. 
don't. <laughs> no, don't, don't do an Asian accent. <laughs> Can you do an Asian accent? <laughs> no, nah, Boogie, what you want to do is you want to tweet uh, you want to tweet at prominent blue checks and call them cunts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, uh, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hop on in there and call Trevor Noah gay. Perfect. Yeah. Just, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, have you been watching the? I, I I don't know if it's true, but there's a poll out that's kind of not consistent with the others, implying wrong, but who knows? It's fun to watch because now Biden's in a three-way tie with Sanders and Warren. Yeah, I, I didn't see that. I, I knew Biden was tanking because he's... Did he do something? He's, Is there he's, an event? he's just really bad by himself. By himself, he comes off as a blithering retard. Uh, okay, that's more extreme than I see it, but here's what I do see. I see a guy who's losing his edge because of age. And by the way, presidency's like two years from now, you know, a year and a yeah. half. So he's not going to be younger in 2021 <laughs> if he were to get the job. <laughs> so that's one issue. And two, he's kind of gaff prone. So between him, just there's a certain kind of lisp that old, like really old people, 70 year olds can get that I get sensitive to. And when all of a sudden they don't have S's anymore and they like, yeah. it gets weird. I'm like, man, and too much saliva happening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Look at that shit in the corner of their mouth. <laughs> I'm wildly conscious of both things in my own mouth right now. <laughs> like, how's my saliva level? Hell, my S's. And uh, so when Biden slips into what is like any other 76, 77 year old dude does, it reminds me of, of what he's got going on. And then he's just gaff prone. And his main appeal is, but I can win. That, that's, no one's inspired by Biden. No one is like, oh, yes, just jerking off to the idea of Obamacare with minor revisions. Go, Biden. Please do that <laughs> for us. You know, like, like <laughs> he's not, no one is inspired by what Biden brings to the table. No. They're just buying into the idea that he's the most likely guy to, to, be, to win. If you take that away, if suddenly he's second in the polls, if suddenly he starts losing states, his goose is cooked. And I find that, you know, I, I watch this partly because I like politics, but some the, the chess of it, I've said a million times. And I'm watching these pieces move and like, man, if Biden's not leading the polls, he doesn't make a comeback. There's no enthusiastic yeah. Biden supporters who jump back on that train. The, the only reason he's winning is because he's winning. Yeah, so. nobody's stoked on Biden. Like, like you can always tell who like the media tries to prop up and like give that extra edge. Like someone they clearly don't want to be given an edge is Tulsi Gabbard. She and and Andrew Yang are kind of gaining ground slowly in their own way, but they're not they're not propped up there. The two that the media want to prop up are Harris and Biden. Harris is not looking good. Uh, her her criminal record or whatever her her prosecutor record is not. Is not gonna. It's not gonna paint out. A her. little it's just different, not but carry on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's totally different. Her criminality and you know? no, her her criminal like, record. Really you think you're Hillary and Trump? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. I'm thinking of every other fucking politician. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and but it and then Biden is just pathetic at this point. Like he was basically grabbed in 2008 because they're like, all right, we got this guy. Uh, Obama, he's charismatic, and he doesn't have a long enough history in politics for him to have done anything ridiculous. He's he'll kind of he can be whatever we want him to be, but we need an anchor for him so that people who are hesitant or worried see ah, 
that guy will keep him down to earth. You know, he won't go too far left or too far this way or that way. And Biden was kind of that guy. In particular, I think there was an inexperience question with Obama. Yeah. So they grabbed a guy who looked like he solved the experience question or answered the experience question. Like, I think in the next couple months, it's going to become apparent that Biden is cannot beat Trump. Hmm. It's going to be if they try to run Biden, I swear, it's going to be the exact same thing as 2016. Nobody except for like super feminists, just for the sake of like, yay, ladies wanted Hillary. Even like my friends who are more left leaning at the time were were like, just like, God, man, I mean, she fucking sucks. I wanted <laughs> Bernie and no more Bernie. And and Hillary they, was an, uh, they're going to get roasted. The inspiration gap between Trump and Hillary was huge. I think there were a lot of yeah. people who were inspired by Trump, who saw Trump as a person sticking their middle finger up to the establishment, right? And they, they found that inspiring. Hillary, on the other hand, she was prominent. She's qualified. You know, she's got the background you'd want a president to have and her senator and secretary of state, but not inspiring. No, she was just the Biden of 2016, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she, she sucked. <laughs> but yeah. I... I Again, it's hard. We were talking about advertising. It's hard for me to not see my own bias or to see my own bias. Mm-hmm. But I'm here thinking that Trump is one of the most easily defeated presidents in my memory. Like he's he, he might be. It very well might be. Number one, his base is very disenchanted because he hasn't kept any of the big promises that he said he would. He's he's actively been worse on a lot of things than he said he would. He's sucked. Like like what what's he going to rely on? The judges? Like, because literally, if you're a Trump voter, that's one of the only things you have to fall on as well. I guess him appointing judges is better than Hillary, which true. I'd rather have Trump appoint than Hillary. But even then, he's not really he didn't didn't do anything to really rile up his base and everything. He didn't handle immigration. He didn't handle he's handling trade in the way he can. He didn't get the North Korea thing. Well, that's not fair to put on his shoulders. Nobody's handled that. But regardless, Mm -hmm. he hasn't done what his supporters wanted. And so his base is going to not be that enthused. The Democratic base has a real real problem because no matter what they do, half of their base, half, is not going to like it. And if they put Biden in there, those young people are going to say fuck right off the same way they did last time when Bernie got screwed. And so if they put Bernie or or Warren in, I think they beat Trump because enough older Democrats who don't like how far left Warren and Sanders are, they're going to hold their nose and go anyone but Trump and they'll vote. Whereas I think young people are still opportunists or optimistic enough about it that they'll say no it's i'm not voting for an establishment of biden fuck or or whatever like i could be totally wrong but if they want to win i think they run bernie i think the democrats are preaching to each other the lesson from 2016 which is hey whoever wins this a lot of you aren't going to like it start getting over that now a year and a half in advance (laughs) i want you to to practice a little bit voting for your second favorite because you might end up doing that but and, then I, I I see it both ways because then like like I watched a clip on the Democratic debate okay. and they were like uh, it was one of the early ones I guess we're still early and they were like uh, who of you think that you know healthcare should be given for free to illegal immigrants and that illegal immigration should be changed to a civil issue more like a parking ticket than a real crime and every one of them I think sans Biden 
raise right. their hand. And so older Democrats are going to look at that and go, well, hell, I really hate this Trump guy, but uh, I don't really want to bankrupt our country. You want, you want us to offer free health care to illegal immigrants and then treat it as not a crime? You know what's going to happen? We're going to become South America in three days. Like, I don't like that. And so that might scare them back away from voting. for. I really don't know. The Democratic Party is so divided right now by age, like as far as age lines. So it's the, hard to even tell. The healthcare one. So I don't love what you said, but I also, it, it's hard to implement a, look, if you want someone to walk in and get healthcare, then you can't like check their cards before they get it. They're emergency situations. But let's, let's set that aside. The one that bothers me is the student loan stuff. There's a lot of people running saying, man, we'll just get America to pay your student loans off for you. Won't you love it? And I'm like, what? That, that's not, that's crazy. Maybe. I think it's, if you were to offer American scholarships, right? Where it's like, hey, you know what? Right now, the barrier to being a nurse, an engineer, an attorney, or an accountant, dare to dream, is <laughs> whether your father was wealthy we're going to make it so that a decent chunk of Americans can be can pursue these careers if they're worthy. And and you know, if there was an American scholarship that did that, that opened the door to become a certified public accountant yeah. for, <laughs> for a smart young man or woman, then I would I wouldn't be opposed to that. But it's like, oh, you know, a lot of college debt, these loans, if people don't know this, it's not the tuition that we're talking about. It's the living expenses. It's the yeah. fact that they went four years just living off debt. And now they're like, yeah, shit. You know, I, I wish I had lived a cheaper life. I wish that I had chosen a cheaper school. I wish that this, I, like you didn't maximize it because it was all tomorrow money and you thought you'd be richer than you turned out to be. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a filthy, filthy robot on the show and he was like, man, you know, I went to college and you know, I, I didn't make much money with my degree. It's like, right. You sure to chose accounting, you know, like you, maybe you chose a degree that was that lined up with your passions, but it didn't line up with a career. And now you have debt or I don't know if he has debt, but you know, didn't turn mm -hmm. out to pay. Those are the decisions we make. And I, I feel why you. does I America kinda... bail out student loans? It seems wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I'd rather bail out student loans than bail out all the banks and automobile manufacturers again. But like the whole the whole student loan thing, like I, I get it that people made bad decisions. Generally, people are very young when they do this and you do not get a good financial education in American public schools. They don't tell you, and the, and the companies giving you these, these loans have a vested interest in getting you to take as much as possible. They want you to take as much as many loans as you can and get you just basically be a debt slave the rest of your life. And like you can't even bankruptcy doesn't get you out of student loan debt. Like there's no shouldn't. way to escape. That's fair. Yeah, it it fair enough. Like, but it, it is exploitative that these huge multi-billion dollar companies take advantage of young American people in order to bolster their own their own bottom line. I and, almost go the other way on that. And, and let me lay it out. Um just in in fast forward the not paying it back thing. There's three kinds of loans. There's mortgage, like collateral back loans, where if you don't pay it, they can get their money back by taking the house and selling it. That, that's how that works. Uh, there's uns, unsecured loans, I think. Um, there's like a credit card. And the things you buy on that are like electrician services and restaurant food and things that they, they can't get back when the interest rate is really high if you don't pay it back. 
And then there's student loans. Student loan is another thing they can't seize. You know, if you get your education, then don't pay yeah. it off. They can't like take that and sell it like they can your house. So you would think the interest rate would be really high like it is on other unsecured purchases, but it's not. It's a really low interest rate. And the reason is they have special protections that prevent you from getting out of paying it back. If you could get out of paying back student loans, then the interest rates would have to be really high. And probably a lot of people would do that. They're like, why do I pay back this loan for 30 years when I could just go bankrupt for seven and have the problem be behind me? Yeah. And so, so that's why they're as high as they are. And if you say, well, they should have never given this loan to that person. That was unkind of them to let them make a bad decision. Then I say, ooh, because the other phrasing of that is, I'm taking away your opportunity. Taylor, did you get into Harvard? It's expensive. You need a big loan. But you know what? I think you're making a bad decision. So I won't loan you all the money you need for your education. That's the other side of that coin that you're taking away opportunities from people because they're not born with money that people who mm. were born with money have. So I, I understand what you're saying. It seems like the problem starts before any of this, though, is that the government got involved in the education system, public and private, with the kind of doling out of student loans. And then because the institutions themselves know that they can charge whatever the fuck they want now because they're handing out loans like fucking candy to people. Mm -hmm. Like at some point, this student loan bubble has to burst the same way the housing bubble burst in 08 and the same way the housing bu bubble is going to burst again. How long, how many months did they wait before they're like, no, we figured out <laughs> subprime loans this time. We got it. <laughs> and they just started doing it again. Like it, we really are like, we're all like, it seems like the whole system is set up to make people debt slaves for their entire life. Yeah. But I, the only thing is the, my, my core disagreement with what you said is, Instead of making people debt slaves, they're just opening the door and some walk through it and some don't. They're probably most people listening to this are not drowning in student debt. Hopefully and, not, yeah. Yeah, and, and, but, a, some, but some are. And the ones that are really drowning, because people exaggerate the cost of college. You know, They're like, man, it's $100,000 a year for med school maybe. But mm -hmm. it's not actually 100 grand a year. You know, and if, you, if you get into your, your state school where it's, government assisted, then it's like, what, eight or 12 grand a year for just the tuition part, not the room and board. Like it, it's not that expensive. It's expensive, but it, it's like, you're making it out like a hundred grand a year and you're 400 grand in debt. Did, what were you living it up? Did you no, rent you're, a, you're right about townhouse? that. This, and that's, that's why it's like the same way that you shouldn't be able to give booze to a 16 year old at a store. You shouldn't be able to set up an 18 year old for a life of, you know, failure because they went, I need $140,000 so I can go to this in-state school and also live in this really cool bungalow with my friends. And I solved it. Like, that what they you need? Independent loan counselors. That would be the thing, right? They just need a Woody in their life to be like, dude, like you're going to University of Austin, but you're out of state. Have you considered UNC? You know, you, have you considered mm -hmm. whatever University of New Jersey or like Mizzou, like just a little loan counselor who doesn't work for the whoever's giving you the loan to help people walking to these decisions with a little more knowledge? That would be great. That would be really helpful for people, especially because the lack of financial education in our school systems, both public and right. private for the most part, is just terrible. They'd be damn but near loan therapists, right? It's yeah. like, okay, young Billy, I'm looking at your plan. 
Do you realize you're a financial masochist? Is this your kink? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Do you, I have a ball gag for you. If that's yeah. your deal, it's cheaper. <laughs> and, and Let me use my crystal ball. Ooh, I don't see a house or car in your future. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, look, I can ball gag you and fuck you in the ass, and it only hurts for 30 minutes. Your plan is 30 years. You know, they, they need yeah. a, uh, that's my style of financial counseling. They need that. <laughs> yeah. And like, and like the whole in-state out of state. Part of it also is that we now live in a world because, you know, the competition is so much higher with H-1B visas and things like that, that like college has become the new high school and the rate of pay or the rate of income hasn't matched the increase in college tuition. Like it, not even, not even fucking close. I, I was looking at some chart the other day uh, that was like equalizing for hours. And it was like with 2,700 hours worked at minimum wage, you could pay for two years of college tuition in 1978. Same thing today. You need about 12,000 hours or whatever it was. It's an, it's an enormous uh enormous difference but the whole culture of you need college oh you need to go to a cool school you want to get drunk and do drugs and have fun don't you these are the, supposed to be the best four years of your life right and so you get i have friends who now will tell me i think i might even mention this on the show before because like and i can even say back in when i was like 18 like picking schools part of me wanted to go out of state so it was like, well, everybody I know is going to this school, is going to Mizzou. I don't want my parents dropping by yeah. on, without notice. Yeah, I want to be cool. I, I want to go have over beer here. in my mini fridge. I can't do that yeah. in the same state as mom. <laughs> then, yeah. And then, <laughs> uh, like, and I have friends who were like all like just gung ho about like out of state schools that weren't even better than the state school here. They'd mm -hmm. be like, I have to go to Clemson. I'm going to Clemson. I, I don't care that it's $31,000 a year. It's a better school for this department, mm. like, like marginally. <laughs> like, and then I would even ask him, I'm like, man, that's crazy. Like, it's only 12 grand to go to, it's only nine, 12 grand to go to Mizzou for a year. And it's 31 to go there. Like, have fun then, man. Like, I guess. And those people later, I talked to one of them, like, for the first time in almost five years, just a, a month or two ago. And, he was like, yeah, that was one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. One of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. And it was because I had no idea what I was doing. And people were more than happy to say, yes, yes, yes. Sign here, sign here, sign here. You're good to go. By the way, you owe us X amount of money. And you're never going to make this back. And you're going to be a slave <laughs> forever. Good luck buying a house. That yeah. Sign here, sign here. It was also them providing an opportunity. But they needed the counselor that I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they need. And, and the, I wish that people knew. If there's anyone listening to this who's going to apply for colleges this year. There are tiers of schools, right? At the very top, you've got your Harvards and your MITs and your Stanfords and such, and they do open doors. I've been in, a, I've, I've hired a lot of people and you see like in comp sci, um, Carnegie Mellon is a really like impressive name. And uh, it's like, ooh, this guy's practically hired before we start talking. Oh yeah, you get like nepotism points when you go there. You just show up in an interview. It's like, you went to Harvard. Well, our CFO went to Harvard, so tell everybody in the waiting room to fuck right off. You're in. <laughs> On the other hand, it, like there's another tier of schools, UMC, Mizzou, Clemson, University of Indiana. I, I don't yeah, know. State schools. They're all about the same. You know, they yeah. keep like it. <laughs> Good school, check. And then there's another tier of school, the ones you probably don't know that well, like the William Pattersons and the Shippensburgs and stuff that are just college, check. You are a college graduate. You, you, know, you, you are trained to do this job. And uh, really, like, 
people spend a tremendous amount of money and time and concern about small variations in the same tier that aren't worth it. You should really work more, whichever's cheaper. You know, whichever is the best value in that tier, go there. Smart way to do it is two years of community college and then transfer to a state school. Yeah, yeah. Four years in the school is nice. Uh, If if you're in a position where you you can, it's not going to ruin the rest of your life after school. You know, like, you know, did, did you pay for your own school? No. No, no oh, yeah, I was, yeah. I was See? very fortunate. So I think it's really nice if you can go to Mizzou for four years. I would take that over to years of community college. But if I'm paying it myself, then two years of community college is probably a good deal. Oh, for sure. That's what that would have been my thing. Yeah. Like absolutely. Like I, it's really you're paying for the socialization. Like I, and, yeah. and the partying and everything. Yeah. One might argue that Partially. even the education might be a little better uh at Mizzou than community college. Yeah, probably. Maybe and, not the most people, important topics, but yeah. People will like go up about like, oh, I, I need to go to this school. It's like, well, what are you majoring in? It's like business administration. It's like, well, you probably don't need to go to Yale for that. Like you're going to get a, a similar thing. Well, Yale's actually a bad example with their business school. But <laughs> a, yeah. you, know, you don't need to go to MIT for your business administration major. You know, yeah. you can go somewhere else for that. The, uh, yeah, so I did a lot of mine at night. I don't often talk about this because I feel like it devalues my accomplishment, but my employer usually had some partial tuition assistance. So they would pay. I remember, I think my, for my undergrads, I think they paid for half a tuition, but half a tuition worked out to be about a third of the costs because they didn't pay for any books. They didn't pay for the fees, which were substantial. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it's like, wait a minute, tuition's five grand and fees are twenty five hundred more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, so that you know, I I worked like grown up jobs during the day, and then I had tuition assistance, and then I paid for it. That's mm-hmm. how that's how I went through school. But I I do recognize that it's more expensive now. But um, going through school, like I, like I remember in high school, I was like applying for all the scholarships and everything. And like, I got a couple like academic mm-hmm. scholarships and then, or I think I got one that was significant one that was like hunky dunky, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like my 18 year old self was like scholarship. That means everything's cool. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just like it is in the fresh Prince of Bel-Air scholarship <laughs> means you're, you just hop on and go yeah. and then you like see the amount you get and it's like, what? That, that, that's, that's not even half. Dad, <laughs> one of these grands was mine. I hope you appreciate what yeah. I did for you. <laughs> yeah, You're adorable, Taylor. Yes. <laughs> I'll get the rest. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, I, it, it's just a, such a big commitment to get to get student loans, and it's a shame that so many people get, get trapped in it. But I, I do see your point about agency and all that. And yes. that, that, that loan advisor thing really is a great idea. It's a shame they don't do that. Yeah, and, and it would have to be done impartially, right? Like somehow have them not connected to it. And a lot of times when people are impartial, they have to be biased because they'll lose their job, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're, you know, I'm a big company and I make you sign something that says, we don't go to court, we go to arbitration. Okay, yeah. here's this arbitration company over there. If they don't rule my way in a fucking scandalous way, then I'm going to find another arbitrator because I'm bringing yeah. them business and it's not fair. Arbitrator should be, but it's not. I feel like that could happen to loan advisor, but if they could find some way, it just, it's my best idea so far. A little, little counseling before you take your loan out. Someone who says, mm-hmm. you know, why do you need 50 grand to li- live? 
when tuition's 15 grand. You know, you, you're spending the extra 35 on living. A lot of college kids have three roommates in their little quad suite. You know, you, yeah. You're, you're the poorest person in America right now. You're a student. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Think like that. So, uh, you know. that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have a lot of that perspective because of how you went through it inside. That yeah. makes sense. Anyway, PKN six two sixty two. Yep. Skip a couple there. Yeah. All right. Bye.